0: When you think about human beings and what is required for us to want to give our best and then to give our best, it's knowing and feeling that at a very deep level that we matter, you know, that what we do is important, that somebody cares about us. And so someone who's in a leadership role, you know, from executive down to supervisor, There are people who are looking up to you to see if they matter to you.
1: Welcome to the Rising Leader podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin, I have something for you. Have you not read Only Tens 2.0 yet? if you've been listening to the show, my guess is you have read it. Would you like to give away a copy to someone you care about? Someone who's struggling with time and energy management? Someone who needs to focus on the important things? Well, if you go to markjsilverman.com, click on the red resource buttons, we have put a free copy of OnlyTens 2.0 for you to download, and you can upload it onto your electronic device of choice. I hope you enjoy. When we decided to do the Rising Leader podcast, uh, we thought about the topics that we wanted to touch on, and that was leading up, leading across, leading your team, and leading yourself. And the chapters in the book, the episodes that we're going to be doing make sense how we're going to go forward. But when I was thinking about my guest list, one name popped into my head immediately. Like I had to have her as my first guest on this new podcast because she exudes what we're going to be talking about. She lives, eats, breathes it. She creates technologies around it. She writes books around it. Uh, She teaches me about it. We have private conversations about it. She is the master of connection and communication. So when I was thinking about doing this podcast, Meredith Bell, my friend and colleague, had to be my first guest. Officially, She is a heart-centered connector. She embodies this in her work as president and co-founder at growstrongleaders.com. In fact, she lives her purpose to serve and love profoundly so others appreciate their own value and maximize it. If you've ever been in her presence, you feel loved and valued. It's crazy. Uh, She is the host of the Grow Strong Leaders podcast, which I've been on, and it was a great interview, I must say, especially because she led it. She's the co-author of two books, which I love to give out, Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, and Peer Coaching Made Simple. These are great guides. They're simple, easy to read, and they'll change the way you communicate with with your team and your organization. Meredith, thanks for being here.
0: Mark, thank you for that wonderful introduction and I'm thrilled to be with you today. This is going to be great.
1: I don't I don't even know how I could start like my rising leader program, the book, this podcast all come from a lot of our conversations. So I can't thank you enough just for being an inspiration to me. My pleasure.
0: I love being of service to you. You you know, we just have had a great connection since our very first conversation.
1: So, let's see if we can capture some of the mag- magic of our private conversations. On the microphone. Like I, I always wonder if we can translate the animation, because we both love what we do. I'm curious. One of the one of the presentations that you invited me to see, you did a talk on creating a culture of coaching. And in my work as an executive coach, I'm constantly drumming into leaders that their job is no longer to do, their job is to lead, but to lead, it is to coach, it's to teach. Coach, motivate, inspire, right? All all of those things. Why is that a topic that you care about?
0: Well, because the other ways don't work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you think about human beings and what is required for us to want to give our best and then to give our best, it's knowing and feeling that at a very deep level that we matter. You know, that what we do is important, that somebody cares about us. And so someone who's in a leadership role, you know, from executive down to supervisor, there are people who are looking up to you to see if they matter to you, you know, and they're not just a task performer, but as a person, do I matter? And so to me, that's where someone in a leadership role Needs to understand the importance of that people side, that interpersonal side, so that really is a relationship and not a transaction when they interact with the people who are on their team.
1: So I just I just got off of a call with a prospective client. I'm sure he's an Enneagram 8, which is you know a driver right? So, so those those skills that we're just talking about are superfluous to the mission, to getting things done. And to teach someone like that, that you actually have to take the time to connect on that level in order to be an effective leader is, is a bit of a heavy lift. You know, why, why should I waste that time? I tell them what to do. They know what to do. Tell them to go do what they do. What changes in the dynamic when you actually do what you're saying and create that relationship? People are more productive.
0: You know, if somebody that is a driver and wants to get results, if they understand the practical aspects of taking the time to get to know this individual as a person and to care about their life in general, not just what they're going to perform and do that day, the desire to perform even better, you know, becomes very strong in that individual. And so, Things that someone like that sees as superfluous or or not a good use of time,
1: it's like they need to get their head
0: turned around
1: <laughs> so that they. Well, can- for, you know, for me, like I know we talk about it, and it's it's you know, if you look at LinkedIn, if you looked at any any uh, business review articles, any of that stuff, these skills are essential. But in the back of our minds, in the back of a lot of people's minds, I find still, it's like, do I really have to be woke? Like, do I really have to do these things? And the truth is, yes, right? It's more effective, it's more profitable, it's more enjoyable. Uh, you know, you go further and it's just the case, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of it, Mark, as I'm listening to you and thinking about this, it has to do with a person's comfort level with themselves. You know, if I'm comfortable in my own skin with who I am, then I can be more relaxed around the p- people who are working with me or on my team. And so I'm not as concerned about how am I coming across, which I think happens when our egos get in the way and when we lose sight of this isn't a, a human being in front of me. This isn't a machine. And so it's, it's detrimental to the results that I'm going to get If I don't invest time in discovering more about them, what's important to them? It's amazing what, you know, when we think about a leader being a good coach, part of that to me is learning to ask questions instead of tell, you know, or feeling like you have to be the answer person. And and of course, you're the expert in overwhelm. A lot of the people who feel overwhelmed in their work, some of that is because they feel like they have to provide the answers to everybody and they create this dependence on them where people aren't thinking for themselves. They're not taking risks. They're afraid of making mistakes. And so they come to that leader for everything. Whereas if there's the letting go and allowing of people to use their potential, you know, and, and require them to think for themselves and make it okay for them to make mistakes so they can learn from them, that's where the coaching comes in, the opportunity to really coach people to learn from those experiences they have so now they feel more confident and more empowered to take action, which then frees up the leader to have the time to invest in those people. Because if, if you think about it, taking time to think about what's important to that person. What do they see as their strengths? What would they like to do more of or less of as a member of the team? When you ask those questions, first of all, you learn a lot about that individual and what makes them tick. So you can think about projects that are coming up and what assignments make the most sense, would get them supercharged to give their best. And also, it conveys to them, you're important, you matter. And there are so many different, you know, studies, research that shows, especially with the younger generations, they want the feedback, they want to know that what they're doing is making a difference. And we can't ignore that. If you do, then I would challenge the person to look at what's your turnover rate like? Because people aren't going to stick around if if they're not getting those basic needs met that for things that are important to them.
1: I think you touched on, there, there was so much for me to unpack there, but I think you touched on something that, that's been a conversation over and over again, which is this frustration with the young generation of workers that are coming in. Uh, I hear over and over, they're entitled, they want too much, they're not as ambitious as we were, they don't want to work as hard as we do. And I think that they get it all wrong. I think they they don't understand what you just said, is that this next generation really do want to know that what they're doing makes an impact, whether it's on the broader world or in the organization. They want to feel that connection to what it is they're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some unjust criticism of them, and it goes back to having those conversations to find out what does matter to them, what is important. So that we give them the opportunity because they're always one of the interesting requirements they have is they want opportunities to learn and grow. That doesn't necessarily mean promotions, but within their job, they want to be able to reach their potential, whatever that might be, or at least go to the next level. So they don't feel stuck because as soon as they start feeling stuck or neglected, they're out of there. And so, you know, we can say they're not loyal, but the fact is, the specific needs that they have, we're not even finding out what they are, if we're not asking, and then to try to provide things, because I think a lot of times they're reasonable requests, it's just that there's this adversarial attitude, a lot of times, because what we hear about them, you know, what are the negatives, and I think, One of the other key things for a leader is having curiosity, going in with an open mind, not judging, wanting to learn about this. Because I think for a leader, it's really important to have that attitude of being a learner, not having, again, all the answers, but realizing there's a huge amount of knowledge, experience, and insights to be gained from tapping into the talents of the people on your team.
1: If what Meredith just said is interesting to you, pick up Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, uh, because this book is, it's a real quick read. You can read it in in, uh, in, an, in a weekend and up-level your, your connection skills to everybody in your organization, whether they're young or old. Let's shift a little bit to creating that culture of coaching. What, what are the ingredients that we need to shift uh, everybody's mindset that we're all in each other's corners and we're all helping each other get better.
0: You know, Mark, you know this, the the foundation is trust. So if there isn't that trust where people feel that they can speak honestly to each other, uh, it's going to be hard to create that. So looking at where are the gaps between where, where we want to be and where we might be now, as far as people being open and honest with each other, because that's a core element of a coaching culture is people have this basic sense that we're all in this together. Each person has my back. I'm not, I'm not worried about somebody talking badly about me to someone else because they've talked to me directly about it. So this willingness to give feedback positive as well as constructive also, to receive feedback graciously, so that again, it's this lack of judgment. I think is a very important element, a
1: learning environment. What do you, so, what do you what do you mean by lack of judgment?
0: What I mean there has to do with a couple of different things: judging other people in our minds, in other words, assuming the best of them. So we don't jump to conclusions, we don't make assumptions, we're not judging their actions. Based on insufficient information about why they may have said or done something that they did, and because when people feel that they're going to be judged, evaluated, criticized, they're they're not going to be open. They're going to hold back because that concern of getting jumped on uh, for something they've they've said or done that didn't quite align with what the expectation was. And that goes back to creating psychological safety, too. That's an element of, you know, to me, creating a coaching culture. Because what I mean by coaching culture is a place where people feel comfortable coaching each other, no matter what levels they are. So we can give feedback, we can ask questions without being afraid of negative repercussions as part of that process. So that caring about each other, and you know that that's really the fundamental is caring,
1: so what you're saying is you in order to have that, first, we need to build trust. Then we need some psycho I love the the term psychological safety, so that it isn't an abusive and a waiting to get caught, get gotcha kind of environment. So once we establish that, then then we can give feedback, even if it's up the chain, down the chain, to our peers and where do, where's the come from like what do you have what do you have to make sure to do in yourself before you decide to go quote unquote coach someone in the organization because i could say i'm going to coach someone and it's just a veiled criticism
0: well for one thing maybe not looking at it as an event you know i'm going to coach someone as in it's just a natural part of how we interact with each other so it doesn't have to be something scheduled It's that as we're talking to someone, if we notice maybe they're criticizing someone or maybe they are disappointed at the outcome of something that happened, we can shift into a coaching role simply by asking some questions. Our natural intent, and you and I both are helpers, right? We tend to want to jump in and help and solve problems, and many managers do that. For a couple of reasons, one, because they're like us and they don't want to see somebody suffer or, you know, struggle. But the other thing is, it's more time efficient. Just let me give you the answer and you go on and do your thing. But when we do that, we're robbing the other person of the opportunity to think for themselves and grow and learn. So to ask questions, to get them to consider, like if, if somebody comes to you and says, well, what should I do here? Well, instead of jumping in and and saying, even if you are pretty sure the answer you're going to give is a really good one, but to withhold that and simply say, well, what have you thought of so far? Or what do you think? Or what options are you considering? So that you throw it back at them to break that dependency for one thing on you, but also encourage them because you don't know where their mind has gone until they, share with you here's some things I've thought about and you may discover there's a huge gap. (laughs) Maybe there's something that hadn't even occurred to them that now you can help guide them on that. So to me, uh, fundamental to a coaching culture is the ability to ask questions instead of tell or help or advise.
1: Brilliant. So where does this have to start in order to get this going in the organization? Who's responsible for making sure?
0: Well You know, the big answer is it starts at the top because the executive team really needs to model what it is they want everybody else to do. It doesn't work well. It can't work organization-wide if they have the attitude, everybody else needs fixing but me or but us. And so I think that's an important piece to look at. In a larger organization where you have these teams the, at least the leader of the team can model some things for the people on that team. It can start at that much of a unit. But organization-wide, if you really want the whole culture, it needs to start at the top. Where, and you and I both know Gary Ridge, you know, recently retired from WD-40. He's a beautiful example of that. His favorite three words he says is, I don't know. You know, he's willing to admit, I don't have all the answers. I'm here to learn from you as much as you are to me. So it starts, it, it penetrates more quickly and thoroughly when the top leadership takes on that responsibility and that role.
1: Okay, so so the leadership team has a meeting with some enlightened leadership coach and decides that they want to do this in the organization. They want to create a culture of coaching. What I've noticed is to get that to permeate through the organization isn't just a decision, isn't a decree, isn't writing it down. It takes actual backup and work. What do you have to do? Ne- you know, you got the whole buy-in on the, on, the, on the executive leadership team, the CEO's in. Now, we're, now, what do you have to do to perpetuate that?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that's appropriate at that point is a survey to find out where where do we stand you know what are the perceptions of the people throughout the organization around the things that matter so you can assess culture there's any number of areas that could be a part of that survey if the organization has created a set of values or at Moderna they have 12 mindsets that everyone lives by and, you know, can recite and and not just recite, but they behave that way. And so having this common ground, whether you want to call it values, mindsets, uh, you know, in addition to an exciting mission, that's important to help people rally around. Here's what we stand for. Here's what we believe in. Here's how here are the behaviors we want to see and it goes into how we recruit new people how we interview hire bring on develop it's all it all runs throughout so there has to be that effort made to identify what are those behaviors that we value here and that we want to see everyone adopt and and live by
1: i think gary ridge was just the best example you introduced me to him and i i fell in love Immediately, what a what a lovable but powerful, effective man. If you don't mind, I'm going to put the link to your interview with him from your podcast, and I'll put the link from uh, the Mastering Overwhelm oh, podcast because sure. I we both we both interviewed him, and I tried to interview him about things you didn't interview him about. So I'll put the link for Gary Ridge in the show notes if you want to know more about him because I think he did a brilliant job explaining how to create this cascade of culture. Hmm. Hmm. So what am I missing? What 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 am I not asking you about creating a culture of coaching that you're dying to share with people?
0: Well, you know, one of the things I think that is so important is coaching is something everyone at every level can do. It doesn't have to be, quote, just people in leadership positions. Because companies, as far as I know, can't bring in an executive type coach like you for every employee, and yet everyone needs coaching as they're working to make improvements. It's one reason I love, I know WD-40 has done this and other organizations are doing it too. Managers are called coaches, you know, because that is now one of their most important roles is helping to be an effective coach to others, but also helping people be coaches to each other. Because we all need coaching in any given moment. And so when we have these basic skills of being able to listen, to ask questions, to give feedback is needed, whether it's constructive or positive, all of those feed into building the coaching culture. But I think it's a, that would be an important point to make is that it's at all levels. It's not just for people in a position or title
1: of leader. It's not that hard to coach. It's just a, it's just a change in attitude in your conversation. It's a willingness to be supportive to, you know, to, for good intention, curiosity, you know, open-mindedness. And then if you want to give feedback, you know, then, then I think you've, you've created fertile ground for feedback Mm -hmm. to be heard.
0: You know, one of the other things that I think is so critical when you think of you know, people really interacting well with each other is that willingness to let go of past grievances. You know, we can get hung up on so-and-so did this to me or did that. And it's that victim mentality of dwelling on the past and rehashing that and not letting it go. And that prevents us from forming fresh relationships, you know, new relationships with people, not everyone.
1: Not just at work, by the way, this is in our personal relationships too. That's, a, that's, a, that's the secret and it's to so a fresh true. fresh and new relationship every day.
0: Yes. And you know, one of the other things, Mark, as I'm thinking about what's important is that willingness to apologize if I've made a mistake, especially someone in a leadership role, this is critical for, for being a role model for others to be okay to be wrong. Too often, leaders are hesitant to admit they made a mistake or to apologize because they think it makes them look weaker somehow. And in fact, it's the opposite. If they could just understand how much people appreciate and are relieved, you know, it's like they could heave a big sigh of relief when they hear somebody say, I'm sorry, you know, or I apologize for saying that or doing that in the meeting. I had no idea it had that impact on you. And then making a commitment to be different and asking to be held accountable. Again, no matter what your position is, if you ever see me do that in a meeting again, call me on it. You know, that empowers the person giving the feedback to actually do that. And also, again, that psychological safety, making it okay for them to bring up things that they might not have in the past if they were afraid of negative repercussions, So I think that's just really critical modeling, apologizing for mistakes or, you know, harm done. And then looking at what can I do to make it right? Being willing to ask that. And and committing to make it right. And being open to hearing what the other person says, because all of this goes into that, you know, what Stephen Covey used to call the emotional bank account. Mm -hmm. It counts with other people when we're willing to be vulnerable And and
1: open and honest. I I, I teach this as a module in the Rising Leader program, where it's uh, cleaning up the wreckage of past relationships, and exactly what you just described is what I teach, especially like with rising leaders who have been really ambitious. And when you're young and ambitious, you step on people, right? You don't you don't mean to, but you're just focused on the goal. And as you get up to the leadership team, you have to look back and you have to see. Have I created people who have my back, who trust me, who I trust, and that kind of thing? And if you've risen pretty quickly and you're kind of a bull in a china closet, the answer might be not so much. So how do you even go back in history and make those amends, make things right so that you create the support for your new role?
0: Mm -hmm. As I was hearing you say that, I got to thinking what it would feel like to the person that you stepped on to go back and apologize and make amends in whatever way is needed at that moment, because it's hard to know what the response might be. I mean, we have to be ready for whatever response, but one would be surprised that this guy who was so aggressive is now coming back. And you know, this goes back, Mark, to another key element, which is self-awareness. That whole idea of who am I being in this moment? Am I serving the people on my team? Am I serving myself long-term? Well, by what I'm saying, by what I'm doing, so that I can have greater awareness of the impact my words and my actions have on others.
1: And yeah, that's that's where 360 feedback comes back really useful because there's often a disconnect. I knew people that I coach often think they're landing in a certain way and they're just shocked to find out that they're not being received the way they thought they were and to get those two worlds to be as close as possible is the game changer once they understand and they can shift that and 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 see the realistic way they impact people mm-hmm. you know nobody nobody really wants to be a jerk to people nobody no. really wants wreckage it's almost always unconsciousness i don't remember who said it but you know if you really knew that you hurt someone you would never hurt someone you just, you just wouldn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything else that covers it up. Meredith, I love the work that you do in the world. Your podcast is, is a masterclass in curiosity and wisdom. I, I love it. And uh, your books are so simple and they're, they're handbooks. They're guidebooks. books. Like you just pick them up and you know what to do afterwards. Uh, what else is interesting in your life? What are you doing now? That is fascinating besides your podcast and your books.
0: Well, you know, I have to say my podcast has evolved and I'm so excited about that because I've been interviewing so many of these chief learning officers who have responsibility for the leadership programs, the learning and development. And some of the really wonderful things they are doing, I love being able to bring to my listeners because even though, you know, in the news there's so much negativity, one of my purposes is to bring. Shed light on positive things that are going on. What are people doing that are right in the world? So that's one thing I just am still very much on fire about. The other is that I have been recording videos for each one of those 10 skills that are in our book. Oh, wow. I have 44 on my docket and I have completed 42. So by tomorrow, they will all be done, and they will be in an updated version of one of our existing programs called Grow Strong Leaders Skill Builder, which really focuses on these top 10 communication skills. But bringing to life the material through short two-minute videos has been really you know, I have, I already knew this material, but now it's like it's in every cell of my body because, you know, when you record videos and you're rehearsing that content, it just seeps into you. That's how it has to be in order to come across effectively on video. So I've been really enjoying that. Thank you for asking. Which
1: rehearsal, that's why you come across so well on all your videos. I have to learn that. (laughs)
0: Well, you know, it's getting into the spirit of it. I say rehearsing. It's really feeling the content. So when I express it, it's not me reciting something. It's my whole being in that moment, um, being really passionate about conveying to whoever's watching the importance of this particular element.
1: Brilliant. So people want more of you. Where can they find you?
0: Uh, growstrongleaders.com dot is our website. And that's where my podcast is also. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. I'm on really most active on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, follow, follow, follow Meredith on LinkedIn. You'll learn a lot. You'll see all the people she's connected to. I'm going to put links in the show notes for the Gary Ridge interviews so that they can learn a little bit more about that. And Meredith, I just appreciate you being my first guest on the rising leader podcast.
0: I loved it. Thank you, Mark.
1: To everybody else, I really appreciate your time and attention. I know you're running and gunning pretty hard. So you taking the time to spend spend with us is precious to us. Please send me a note if there's a topic that you want uh, us to go further on. If there's something you're interested in or you just have questions, let us know. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.